The following is a paid program. Advice and opinions expressed during the Soft Life Chronicles are solely that of the host or guests and not those of 1017 The Truth, Good Karma Brands Milwaukee LLC, or All of Us Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships. Black women are the rock of the family and so often put others before themselves. We want to encourage black women to put me before we sometimes because black women's health matters. This is the Soft Life Chronicles, presented by All of Us Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships. Hello, hello. This is Denise Thomas, the Effective Communication Coach. So excited to bring another segment of the Soft Life Chronicles, where today our focus is living with and managing sickle cell disease. Now, let me just backtrack some of you may be tuning in to Soft Life Chronicles for the first time and saying, what is Soft Life? Well, let me just elaborate. I'll do it very quickly and very simply. Black women are tired of y'all always thinking that we're supposed to be strong and that we don't have vulnerabilities and that we're supposed to just take care of everyone else. And post-COVID, more and more incredible black women are operating in self-care. And we have, as guests today some really, really incredible community leaders and advocates that are going to share with us and increase our awareness of sickle cell disease as part of the Soft Life Chronicles. We have our beloved and dear friend from All of Us Communications advisor, Vivian King's in the building. How you doing, Vivian? She's going to be shy, y'all. She's not going to say... Hey, everybody. She's here for support. She's here for support. So it's again... Today, we're going to address what it's like to live with sickle cell disease and what COVID-DX is doing to try to impact the lives of sickle cell patients. Let's look at sickle cell disease by the numbers. 30 million people are affected around the world. Sickle cell accounts for 170,000 preventable, preventable, y'all, deaths every year. It accounts for a shorter life expectancy of 33 years, 13 plus days of hospitalization each year, and one to nine dollars, or excuse me, one to nine million dollars in lifetime treatment costs. And we know that sickle cell is most common in black or African Americans with one out of every 365 black or African American births and one in 13 black or African-American babies are born with the sickle cell trait. So again, today we have some special guests. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. Lean in because first, we have Elisa Ferguson, who is a parent of a daughter with sickle cell disease. Hello, hello, Elisa. Hello. How are you? I'm doing good. Good, thank you so much for being here. We've also got Song Kim, who is the CEO. That's right, we only give y'all the best here at The Truth. The CEO of COVIDX, and COVIDX, as we had mentioned before, is building a tool that will allow for ongoing monitoring and preventative care, not reactive care, but preventative care for individuals with rare blood diseases. Hey, Song, how are you? Hi, I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so very much for sharing your time, your energy and your expertise. We're so excited to have you. Last but most certainly not least, you have heard her before. She has been such a value to the Soft Life Chronicles. Mirtha Sosa Pacheco, how are you, Mirtha? I'm good, thanks, Denise. Thanks for having me again. Of course, we're so happy to have you. Mirtha is the program manager for University of Wisconsin all of us in Milwaukee. And again, thank y'all so very much for being here. Let's get started. Why is this so important to all of us and what COVID-DX is doing in the moment? What, what, what's, what's so important about this? And before we actually go to that, let me first, because I think it's going to be more impactful if we start with a personal story. So Elisa, Thank you again for being here. You are a parent. And what is your daughter's name? Deja. Deja. I love you, Deja. (laughs) Okay, I digress. Walk us through what it's like being a parent of a child 
with sickle cell disease. It's okay with her. She's quite healthy. Um, her hematologist is very happy with the outcome of of how everything is going with her as far as her blood work and, and everything. Um, she get uh, hospitalized a lot for um, fevers, mm-hmm. infections. She Anybody with sickle cell, if they have a fever over 101.5 or around that, you have to go to the emergency room and get tested and make sure that um, the blood is not infected. Um, when did you know? When was she diagnosed with sickle cell? Uh, her first appointment after birth, which was like a month later. Okay. I was familiar with it because I went to school of medical assistance, so I knew exactly what they said to me, mm-hmm. but it was still um, devastating because I knew about the disease already. Mm-hmm. You know, my son, he's 25. He has the trait. So, um, yeah, I was kind of, you know, I was sad. Right. I blame myself for a long time till I really just, you know, just um, did a lot of research on it and, um, just and, said that, you know, God wouldn't put nothing on you, can't bear. So we just amen. went on with it, and she has been healthy. I mean. That's awesome. I, I can't complain at all. She, uh, we got a, her hematologist gave us a, a, a lot of do's and don'ts to be live a healthy sickle cell life. And I took heed of that, and um, I just. I read a lot and I educated myself and, mm-hmm. you know. Can he just walk us through? Because that is so significant. The, the biggest challenge or the biggest opportunity as we have focused on soft life and health care, in particular within black women, walk us through your research process. Did you go to the, the Internet? If so, where, where did you visit? Like, how did you? research and learn more about this disease i um googled a lot of stuff um i googled basically how to take care of a child with sickle cell um she's 11 now so back then i could say it wasn't as much information available like it is now Mm -hmm. um a lot of things don't change since but i just I, i googled i um facebook and I know I just started reading people's stories and seeing uh, Googling about how to maintain healthy red blood cells, how to uh, fight infections naturally, how to. I did a lot of stuff naturally um, her first year, just giving her probiotics and feeding her medicine. She didn't start taking this medicine until she was two. Um, how did you select a doctor? Her hematologist, the Children's Hospital, did. Gotcha. And so, what has been the relationship between Dr. Ware or the doctor? No, no. Oh. That's just somebody I've seen on okay. Facebook. He, he's like um, a natural um, doctor. I don't even know where he's from, but I just read a lot of his information. Put Got it. Like that. And so what's the relationship like or how did it evolve between you, your daughter's doctor, and your daughter? Um, it's pretty good. Like I said, she uh, it's always good news when we go to the hematologist appointment. She has to go get tested every three months mm-hmm. to see how her blood work is because she's on this medicine. Even before, they have to make sure that all her numbers um, are stable, you know, enough to just live that natural, I can't say natural, but right. to live a healthy life. Earlier, you had mentioned that you felt you felt that you were to blame. I did. Why? Why was that the case? Um, because reading the information, I you know, it was just that your child can go through just a, a painful life. I mean, she can't be. Um, I always got to look after her. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I kind of just blamed myself for a while. It was just something I had to break myself out of. It was like a slight depression, can I say? Right. Um, you know, just 
as a baby, just reading the information and then going to take her a bath. I got to turn the heat up. I can't let her get cold. Uh, I got to hurry up and, and bathe her and and. You know, before I take her out the water, make sure it's warm in the house and, and just hurry up and do stuff and keep her warm because she can never shiver. Mm-hmm. And if, if she shivers, you know, um, she could have a crisis. Mm-hmm. Well, my daughter is 11 and she's never had a crisis um, as far as a pain crisis. And right. um, so I, that, that just take heat on the stuff that I do to prevent her from having that. Um. You know, like she don't supposed to fly and I want to take her to Disneyland, but I'm scared. You, I can't put her on a plane because of the oxygen levels. And, and it's, it's just a lot. I can't plan a trip because I don't know, like, if she gets sick and I can't cancel it because the, the fevers just come. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing I could do to prevent that aspect of it. Well, just hearing you, and thank you for sharing and being so transparent, just hearing you, it is quite evident that Deja has a wonderful mother who is just pouring unconditional love, which I know for a fact is attributing to her ability to live and live and experience happiness and joy. So thank you so much for sharing that. When we come back, we're going to speak with Song Kim who, again, is the CEO of COVIDX, which is a tool that allows for ongoing monitoring and preventative care. And I, again, I underscore that word preventative care for individuals with rare blood diseases such as sickle cell, as well as Mirtha, again, who is the program manager of UW All of Us in Milwaukee. This is the Soft Life Chronicles on the new 1017 The Truth. This is the Soft Life Chronicles, presented by All of Us Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships on the new 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is The Truth 1017 Soft Life Chronicles, and today we're talking about living with and managing sickle cell disease. I'm Denise Thomas, your host, the Effective Communication Coach. I'm so honored to be in the room in the studio with so many incredible Leaders that have dedicated and are committed to help finding a cure for this disease and other rare rare blood uh, conditions. So again, we have Song Kim, who is CEO of COVIDX. COVIDX is building a tool that will allow for ongoing monitoring and preventative care for individuals with rare blood disease. And we also have the program manager of UW All of Us in Milwaukee, Mirtha Sosa Pacheo in the building. So I want to first, based on Elisa's story, and if you haven't, if you're just tuning in, we're going to hear more from Elisa, who is is such an incredible, courageous human being, who is a parent of a child, her daughter, who has sickle cell disease. Before we go back to Elisa, Song Kim, wanted to ask you, Song, You've heard Elisa's story. Are stories like hers the reason why you started COVID-DX? Thank you so much, Denise. Um, yes, absolutely. And, uh, and Elisa, thank you so much for sharing your story of your amazing family. Um, it's really incredible that you have raised Asia and that she hasn't had a pain crisis yet. Really, um, that just speaks to, speaks to um, yeah, just your kind of courage and your kindness and just how um, in tune you are with your daughter. And I think that is just, yeah, so amazing. And it's really an honor to get to share the space with you. So my background actually isn't in healthcare like Elisa. Um, I was actually trained as a lawyer and I practiced as a civil and human rights law uh, lawyer in New York City. And so I knew what sickle cell was, but really didn't understand it um, until I met one of my co-founders for COVIDX, Yao, when we were in grad school in the same town together. So Yao, before he came to the States, he was a doctor in Ghana. Um, and while he was practicing, he treated a ton of you know, children with sickle cell, and he saw that there were severe gaps um, in both diagnosis and, and treatment. And so when we sort of looked around in the US, we saw that while diagnosis at birth, screening at birth was taken care of because um, 
without that kind of screening at birth, it actually, it really reduces uh, your, your chance of making it past the age of five, actually. And so um, in the U.S., basically, there's mandated screening at birth for in, in, in most states. Um, so that's taken care of. But as you know, as we all know, right, the disparities present in our societies and our health systems really held back research and um, driving forward the standard of care for warriors, people living with sickle cell, um, which was leading to the kinds of experiences like those that Elisa had described. So almost every single patient that I've spoken to um, who are adults, you know, they've had their spleens removed before the time they were 20. Um, they've had both hips replaced. Many have had open heart surgery. Um, and for, for folks who didn't have their care well under control, um, some were having these pain, excruciatingly painful pain crises, like four times a month, right? And these pain crises I've had, uh, you know, described to me um, by some women as being worse than childbirth. Oh, my goodness. Uh, described to me as, you know, having uh, knives just jammed into, into your extremities and your knees and your mm. legs and your arms. That level of pain was um, leading patients to go to the emergency room um, where they were often treated like they were just drug seeking and that they were lying about their pain so that they could get uh, get um, pain medications. It's it's really awful. And so we, yeah, really felt like we couldn't just kind of stand by um, when sickle cell is actually, you know, to me, I think it's a superpower, right? Sickle cell is a genetic mutation in response to protect the human body from malaria. So having the trait um, as Elisa does, it's it's actually yeah a superpower. And with the trait, you it protects human bodies from malaria, which is the number one killer of humankind. Mm -hmm. So um, I think sickle cell is really you know remarkable. And you know the more that we did we dug into it, um, the more sort of disparities were present. And yeah, we were we became really passionate about building a tool to support um, folks with sickle cell all over the world. Song, thank you so much for sharing that. That provides so much insight in terms of what this disease just experiencing it now my next question to you song before we go to mirtha and hear more from elisa is number one it's not a question it's number one thank you and i don't even have to elaborate when i say that because you know considering that you're not even like a doctor and to have this type of commitment and dedication that that speaks volumes in terms of your leadership secondly what have been some of the major accomplishments to date from COVID-DX and what are you hoping to do, let's say, in the next you know, one year, three years and five years as it relates to your work with the tool that you're building? Yeah, thank you so much for that. Um, so we have we are an NSF funded company. Um, so we have received an NSF STTR grant so that we can um, we can continue this research in figuring out um, some predictive biomarkers for sickle cell disease because um, until about 2016, no predictive uh, biomarkers for what causes pain crises have ever you know, even been identified. So received some government funding to be able to do that and we are continuing to apply to others so that we can um, continue that research. We've also, um, begun developing partnerships with different sickle cell clinics throughout the country. Um, and we want to make sure that everything that we do is really rooted in the, the experiences of the community. We're not building this thing so that we can, you know, make a ton of money. We're not building this thing because we think it's just cool technology. We really want to ensure that the experiences of patients, of caregivers, of clinicians working on sickle cell are really reflected and, and um, in the work that we do. So so in the next year, we are so currently we you know have raised um, about five hundred thousand dollars. We're raising five hundred thousand dollars more this year, um, and with that, we will be conducting some um, some studies. So all of our our studies to date have been conducted in our lab, um, but we want to start. Um, doing this in a more clinical setting in the coming year. And so in the coming year um, to 18 months, we will begin our first sort of in vivo clinical trials. Um, we'll also be um, looking for, or we are currently looking for and um, working on partnerships with pharmaceutical companies that are working on sickle cell drugs and other rare blood diseases and pipelines so that we can continue to improve our tool um, and to make sure that we are having the widest reach that we possibly can. Love it. Now, one of the things I'm going to, before I, I I'm going to go back to Mirtha, but I want to just 
kind of levy this question up because I want to ask you this. When we first started, we talked about the reality that sickle cell disease is most common in black or African-Americans with one out of every 365 black or African-American births and one in 13 black or African-American babies are born with a sickle cell trait. So, Kim, I'm just going to put this or excuse me, song. I'm going to put this on the table because part of Soft Life Chronicles and our partnership with all of us is making sure that black folks, in particular, black and brown women know that research is only as impactful as the source. And traditionally, there's been a stigma in our communities, black and brown communities, in terms of going to clinics or being a part of the research. So I'm so glad that part of what COVID DX is building is not just a tool, but being intentional about establishing clinics that hopefully, and I'm going to say this before we go to Martha, because one thing is black folks, we got to do a better job of. We can't sit here and say that there's no treatment, no medicine specifically for us. If we're not willing and able to be a part of the research. Okay. So with that, we're going to come back to you song, Martha, as program manager of UW All of Us in Milwaukee, why is this so important? Why is this so important to all of us? Why is this so important to our community, black and brown? Thanks, Denise. Yeah, so, you know, as I've, I've shared, you know, a couple of times before, you know, the All of Us Research Program is a national effort that aims to build the largest, most diverse database of health information of its kind that researchers can use to study health and illness. So for example, right now, this obviously includes um, sickle cell disease, for example. So what, what this research program is trying to do in trying to make sure that we are recruiting and enrolling people from black and brown communities and just any underrepresented groups that haven't been a part of research before, or if they have been part of research, they haven't been um, adequately represented or have even been actively abused, we want to support researchers and efforts to be inclusive now, to be respectful, so that we can understand how all these different genetic, lifestyle, and environmental factors impact our health and, and the diseases, and look to improve the ways we diagnose and prevent and treat the health conditions. So, for example, you know, even just um, today, there are 11, right on the um, All of Us Research Projects directory, there are almost 4,000 active projects that, that researchers across the world are using their All of Us research database for right now, and 11 active projects have sickle cell in the project title. And they're all from, you know, determining the specific gene that is responsible to, um, you know, uh, finding evidence of, of um, how to... Um, care for any heart, lung, and kidney disease with sickle cell disease. And this is just really cool to see that people are using this and that our information, for example, in the black community is being included in this research. Right. And see, that's the thing I, I love about what you said, Martha, and, and as well as song. This is about preventative care. You know, a lot of, a lot of folks out there, it, it's too late. And then now you're in the midst of reaction or treatment where this work is focusing on preventative care for individuals with rare blood diseases such as sickle cell. When we come back, we're going to hear more from Elisa. I just love Elisa. She don't even know how much (laughs) I love her already just based on her willingness to share her story. So for those that are tuned in, you want to stay tuned in because we come back for those that may be related to someone who is living with sickle cell disease Or maybe you're someone who just found out that your child has sickle cell disease. We have a parent who is live in the studio, willing and able to share their experiences. And and actually, she's got some great stories about how her and her daughter, Deja, who has sickle cell disease, is still thriving, is still living, not surviving, but thriving. So more to come from our dear friend, Elisa. This is the Soft Life Chronicles 1017 The Truth, partnering with UW, all of us in Milwaukee. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Soft Life Chronicles, presented by All of Us Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships on the new 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Soft Life Chronicles on 1017 The Truth segment of soft life is so special today. We are talking about 
sickle cell disease. And for those that are just tuning in for the first time, remember, Soft Life Chronicles are about black and brown women putting their selves first. In order to help others, you got to make sure that you have the knowledge, you have the awareness of how to take care of yourself so that you continue to take care of others. Uh, We've been learning so much about not only this rare blood disease, but also some of the preventative cares that are being put into place, as well as the research that is specifically including black and brown folks, because sickle cell disease is the most common in black or African-Americans with one out of every 365 black or African-American births and one in 13 black or African-American babies are born with the sickle cell trait. So what that, what does that mean? As you're listening, that means that you are very, very, there's probably only maybe two to three degrees of separation between you and somebody who is being impacted or living with this disease. We have as part of our distinguished guests, Elisa Ferguson, who is a parent of the beautiful Deja and Deja um, is living with sickle cell disease. However, what I love about Elisa's story, as we were talking offline during the break, is she doesn't operate as this is a transaction. She, like any other mother, wants the best for her daughter, for her child as a parent. So, Elisa, when you say it just comes natural, like I wake up in the morning, this is my daughter. Yes, you know that there's a reality that she has a rare blood disease. Yes. But when you say, like, this is natural for me, what does that mean to you? I'm just trying to say I can't really explain the significance of I get up in the morning. I, I check her temperature every morning. Um, it's just it's, it's natural for me to just do the things that I do. Um Preventative care is my number one for her. Mm-hmm. As you can tell, she hasn't had a pain crisis before. Um, I do everything in my might for her not to have one and for it not to be my fault because I want to experiment to see if it's something works. Right. So by me saying that is um, like she can't she don't supposed to play in the snow. You know, she can't get in a pool of cold water at the park. Um she can't play to the point where she's exhausted. She has to drink water all the time. Um, she can't get too upset because she could have a crisis just because of the level of stress that she could go through. My daughter is is healthy to me. Um, she's in church. She sings in the choir. Wow. She's a praise dancer at, oh. at Bethel Baptist Church. Um, our members and everybody take her in, you know, as one of theirs. Um, she do get hospitalized a lot. Our pastor come visit, make sure she's okay. Um, a couple of weeks ago, she got hospitalized. Um, first time ever out of 11 years that her hemoglobin dropped with no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, all of a sudden, she caught a fever. She was hospitalized for almost three days, and she needed a blood transfusion. Uh, this is the first time that ever happened. It was a stepping stone, and but she's okay. And um, I don't know. I just I, it's just an everyday, an everyday thing. I have to look at her eyes every day. I have to ask her why she breathing hard every day. Um, when you know when COVID was in and. I didn't want her to sit in the house. My her dad brought a boat and we went out and explored the waters. That's awesome. We took her fishing and um and then we got into camping. And so we go out and go camping just to have a, a life. Can I yeah. say just to have a, a and not be around germs. You know, by her having sickle cell made me like germophobic. Mm-hmm. And um when when COVID was in, believe it or not, when COVID was in, my daughter went a whole year with not one emergency room visit. That's <laughs> no awesome. hospital stays. The first time in her life, she went one whole year with no emergency room visits. Out of average um, emergency room visits per year, I cannot even exaggerate it. I could probably say between 40 and 50 
uh, emergency room wow. visits per year. And probably hospitalizations, I could say, um, probably three or four um, per year that she has to stay. And it's basically because of, you know, um, fevers, uh, you know, caught pneumonia, you catch COVID. Basically, if you catch something, um, they want to just keep an eye on you, Mm -hmm. uh, 24-hour observation to make sure your numbers don't go down or something like that so i keep her hydrated as a baby growing up she started drinking water early and um i looked into a lot of stuff to keep her hydrated to keep her red blood cells healthy and i'm satisfied with the outcome thus far i would say so a whole year that's incredible now elisa there are more than likely listeners who are also parents of sickle cell disease or maybe even a parent who has just learned that their child has sickle cell disease. What's the most important thing to do as a parent when you find out? Based breathe. On your experience, breathe. <laughs> breathe and know that you are your child's protector. Um, you have to do just do a lot of research and everything in your mind to educate yourself so you could take care of your child comfortably. Um, and that's just the number one rule. Dehydration, dehydration, dehydration. Just don't let it go there. <laughs> you know, keep your baby hydrated, please. And um, it's, it's, it's a lot of information to intake. I actually, um, the Children's Hospital has a social worker, uh, Toya. She actually got me hooked up with people who... Um, just had a baby and they have questions about sickle cell and I volunteered myself for me to be like an advocate. So I have a couple of, you know, moms calling me or keeping contact with me with their newborn baby just to ask, you know, um, what does this mean? What does that mean? What what can I do? And I just, you know, f- feed the immune system. Mm. Is there know? a network of parents that have sickle children with sickle cell disease? Is there a network whether it's digital or in person? Um, well, on Facebook, they have uh, parents with kids with sickle cell that I just mm-hmm. do a lot of reading through. Other than that, no. Okay. You know, I could say it. And not really. since this is Soft Life Chronicles, Elisa, I have to ask you this question. Because I think it's very important um, for women to hear from women like you. How do you support you? Because, I mean, you're, you're here. You're up. You came here to the studio and the better, let me, let me ask differently. If you don't, if you, how do you feel you need to be supported as a parent of a child with sickle cell disease? Self-care. You know, I can't speak for everybody else, but I don't need support. I, you know, when she gets sick or whatever the case may be, I need to take her to the hospital. I don't want nobody to go with me. Mm. I don't know. That's just me. Even though my mom demands it, like I'm, she'll just pop up at the hospital like I'm here. Or her dad be like, I'm going with you. I like to do things on my own. I don't know why I can't, I, you know, and, and that's the wrong thing to do. Because if I'm not here to take care of her, somebody else needs to actually know exactly what to do so i need to educate but i'm too busy um worried about herself well-being can i say i i I, trust me and that's again why we have this show because the reality is that as as women and especially those that are of black or latin descent we traditionally have been making sure that we take care of everybody else rightfully so that's your child. Yes. I, I think what, what you're doing right now is therapeutic in itself by us having this conversation, yeah. by having this dialogue. Yes. And for those that are listening that do have a relationship with sickle cell disease, if if you need support, please, and we're going to learn more about that, reach out to all of us. Yes, do. Um, join the social media networks. Get the support that you need, whatever that looks and feels like, even if it's just a appearance on Soft Life Chronicles where you know that you are appreciated. And I for me, 
and Lord knows I've been through a lot of stuff in my life. Love conquers all. It really, really does. And to hear that you and Deja's father took her on a camping trip, man, that's that's incredible. I can't even imagine how therapeutic that was. And so this right here is support because our listeners, that's what the truth is all about. 1017 The Truth is about providing platforms where you can increase your awareness on topics that are traditionally targeted to a different demographic that does not include black or brown folks. So again, Elisa, thank you for just for just sharing. Now, as we wrap up this segment, what else from your lens as a parent of a child with sickle cell disease, what else is needed? Because we've got Mirtha from UWM, all of us, and we've got Sosa, or excuse me, Song Kim, what else is needed from a parent's perspective? I think we need to have this conversation a little more um, out there. My daughter is about to be a preteen, and we need more support groups, can I say. Mm. Um, you know, other than Children's Hospital and, and uh, the social worker that I talk to or whatever, we don't have any groups to to bring us together to have a conversation or to have um preventative measures or to explain to a new mother just what we should we we need to have some type of support group and you know we don't have it we we have to support ourselves can i say absolutely and which is not a bad thing but it's okay to need more well, Lisa, the good news is that when we come back on our final segment, we are going to speak more with Song and Mirtha about what does advocacy look like? Because when you say we need more, that's exactly why we're here on this show. So we're going to pick both Mirtha and Song's brains and intellectual property expertise, et cetera, on what does more or increased advocacy look and feel like? How can people stay in touch with COVID-DX? How can people stay abreast of sickle cell disease with all of us at the Center for Community Engagement? So thank you for positioning that question because it's a great segue in terms of the now what. This is Soft Life Chronicles with Denise Thomas, your host, the Effective Communication Coach on the new 1017 The Truth. This is the Soft Life Chronicles presented by All of Us Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships on the new 1017 The Truth, The Truth app and 1017thetruth.com. Sickle cell disease. Living with and managing sickle cell disease is what we are talking about today on Soft Life Chronicles on the new 1017 The Truth. If you are just tuning in to both today's broadcast as well as Soft Life Chronicles in general, two things to think about. Putting yourself first and really embracing the possibilities of being willing and able to be a part of the research process. Data it's only going to be as good as the data source. So if we need to have better health care treatment that is specifically targeted to black and brown people, we got to be a part of that research. And, and keep in mind, sickle cell disease is most common in black or African-Americans with one out of every 365 black or African-American births and one in 13 black or African-American babies are born with the sickle cell trait. We have actually spent some significant time getting to know Elisa Ferguson and hearing her story as being a parent of her beautiful daughter, Deja, who is living with sickle cell disease. And one of the things that Elisa had planted in our brains, which is such a great point, is we need more support. We as parents, we as patients, we as community leaders, activists, just residents, and just as being humans, we need more support. So I wanted to ask both Song and Mirtha, from a support standpoint, how can people stay in touch with COVID-DX? Because listen, Song, y'all are doing so many incredible things. I want to get into more of that, but also what does supporting COVID-DX look and feel like? 
Yeah, thank you so much for that, Denise. Um, so COVIDX, we are, uh, you know, a relatively young company. Um, we are, you know, one of the few kind of startups, if any, you know, working on sickle cell because it's received so little attention and funding in the past. So I think, you know, before we started the company, one of the statistics that really, really angered me was um, this one stat that I saw where compared to cystic fibrosis, um, which only affects 30,000 people in America and, and predominantly white Americans, they had received 3.5 times more federal per, federal funding per person with cystic fibrosis than per individual with sickle cell. And cystic fibrosis has received 75 times more philanthropic per, uh, funding per person than per person with sickle cell. So the kind of gaps in funding and, and you know, research um, that that funding, uh, you know, provides provides money for it has is really, really stark. And so the reason that we are approaching this from, a, you know, as a startup and as a company rather than, you know, as a nonprofit or something like that is because we want to prove that this is, a, you know, this is sustainable. We that there is a need for it. There is a huge need um, for it and that there is a market for it. Right. All of the things. And so, you know, I just would love to encourage everyone um, to be encouraged, to, to be educated, um, and to be and to learn about sickle cell, to break some of the stereotypes that I think are prevalent in our society that prevent um, really horrible injustices. So, you know, there are a few kind of huge legislative. Um, efforts of the past six months. So um, there have been really exciting kind of new bills that have been proposed, um, like the Sickle Cell Disease Treatment Centers Act, which allocates more than $500 million um, to increase the reach of sickle cell clinics throughout the country. Mm. Um, and the Sickle Cell Disease Comprehensive Care Act, which would increase coverage for um, care coordination, like mental health and support services by Medicaid, which is amazing. Um, but there's still a long way to go, right? So, well, so um, you know, I'm yes. so glad you brought that up because this goes back to doing, speaking of research, know who you're voting for. Um, because yes. if I'm voting for politicians that are so far removed from this act that is clearly distributing dollars. And remember, we talked about the clinics because one of the most huge disparities in both black and brown communities is access. And so if these monies, five, half a billion dollars is going to be allocated towards building more clinics and towards better research. We got to be a part of that. So this is why it's so important to know who you're voting for and ask people that you're voting for. Do you know what's the name of the act again? Song? Uh, so there's two. There's a Sickle Cell Disease Treatment Centers Act and the Sickle Cell Comprehensive Care Act. If your local representative, state senator, U.S. senator, does not know about these acts, they either need to be held accountable to getting to know about these acts or be closely related. Do your research because your vote, it matters, especially when sickle cells is, is part of legislation and bills that are going to be an acts that are going to be putting more money. So thank you so much for sharing that song. That's a huge, huge point. This is why we do this. This is why I love soft life chronicles because i didn't even know that not that i'm the smartest person but i'm just saying all right mirtha partnership it's incredible what all of us is doing as part of the center for community engagement focusing on the two words community engagement how can people stay abreast of all of us at the center for community engagement in particular about supporting those impacted by sickle cell disease and being part of the research efforts. Thanks, Denise. Yeah. So, you know, again, the program is is um, hoping that one million or more people join and people who join will share their information about their health and their habits and what it's like where they live, answering online surveys, donating blood, urine, saliva samples, and they will get back information about their health um, including for some people, you know, certain DNA results. And enrollment is open to everyone age 18 or older who lives in the United States, eligible adults. Um, and so that said, you know, if you join, you will be contributing to research that can improve health for some or even for everyone, including those that have sickle cell, right? Like I just mentioned, the researcher workbench that has 11 active um, sickle cell research projects going on. That's because incredible. the goal is to help researchers understand why people get sick 
or stay healthy. And um, so again, it's very important for us to join this the study, you know, give our information and be part of this data so that when you look at this researcher, you know, these different studies going on that we know, okay, we are included in this in this um, sickle cell project as far as Maryland, Ohio, California, wherever the researcher is. Um, so that's very important. And I guess to learn more about all of us and the UW's efforts in Milwaukee, you know, you can visit allofus.wisc.edu. It's allofus.wisc.edu. And you can also call 888-294-2661. Uh, and they, that, they answer that um, business hours Monday to Friday. That's 888-294-2661. And you can also email all of us, which is all of us, U-W-M-K-E, at H as in Harry, S as in Sam, L as in Larry, C as in cat, dot, whisk, and that's W-I-S as in Sam, C as in cat, dot, E-D-U. Yes, I spelled it out because I don't want nobody saying <laughs> they didn't get it, <laughs> they didn't understand what letter. So I just did all of that because this is so important. And, you know, as we're wrapping up our final segment, I just want to go back to Elisa as, as we're sharing our final thoughts and our final takeaways. What are you leaving here with today, Elisa? And as a parent of a child, Deja, beautiful Deja, who is living with sickle cell disease, what do we need to do more of? What do we need to do less of? And what are some of the things that, look and feel like in terms of good advocacy for sickle cell disease? I think we all need to educate ourselves, um, especially if you have a child with sickle cell or a parent or a cousin, um, be a little more caring about that situation. If you had a wish as it relates to sickle cell disease, the preventative care, curing the disease, right now, based on what you've heard from both Song, Mirtha, and yourself, what would that wish be? It sounds selfish, but I, I, I wish that my daughter didn't have sickle cell. Mm. I mean... Um, that does not sound selfish at all. You know, we all have our trials and tribulations in life, but I don't know. I, I look at her all the time, and I just I wish that she didn't have it, you know? Mm. Um, she's starting to get that age now where she notice a lot more things and um notice that she goes to the hospital a lot and she noticed that she's getting feeling faint while she's at school you know I have to pick a middle school for her next year and it's hard because I gotta have a nurse at the school I gotta make sure she's taken care of for them eight hours that I'm not with her and how do you feel when she's away from you anxiety Mm mm-hmm you know, since she was born, on my anxiety level, I didn't even know I had anxiety until, you know, just taking care of everything and trying to um, maintain and make sure she live a healthy life is, my, like, my number one goal. And, you know, also my son as well. I can't forget about my 25-year-old. He has the trait, but he does real good. But with her, she, um, my anxiety level just... Even when she goes by her grandma's house for the weekend, I, I just sit there. <laughs> I love how grandma just be popping up, too. She do. Grandma's she, like, I'm here. She, Hello. You told me not to go. And then she, right. Well, she would come pick her up and take her out for a Saturday. And I'm like, you're going out there and all them germs. Or, you know, that's my concern. Like, we don't really do too much or nothing. But she makes sure that she pick up that slack that I laid down, you know. Right. So, I mean... No, we do want her to not feel different, but um, she's starting to feel it now. So that's why I said she needs that uh, a kind of support group um, for a preteen. Um, I'm, she's a book reader, so I, I we educate and try to have her read stuff on her level so she can understand. And she act like it don't bother her, but, you know, deep down inside... I know it does. You know. Song, what what do you feel when you hear parents, including what you just heard from Elisa, as it relates to the, the work and the tools and the dedication that you've committed um, with COVID DX? 
Yeah, I mean, it absolutely, it, you know, breaks my heart. And I, you know, we are, I, you know, just want you to know that um, we're out here fighting alongside with you. Um, you know, we're not parents or, you know, we ourselves don't have, you know, sickle cell. And so we will never know exactly what it's like, but we want you to know that, um, yeah, that we are here to support you and we're, we're fighting and doing all that we can. Um, so with, with COVA-DX, you know, our end goal, what we want to build is to have an at-home monitoring tool for, for folks living with sickle cell so that warriors and, um, and parents, right, can be empowered with knowledge of what's happening in their blood. So whether um, a patient is getting close to a pain crisis and can take steps to prevent it or how different drugs or other interventions are, are affecting them. Um, and so, you know, uh, Alisa, you mentioned how, you know, you want to go on a trip with Deja, but you know that she can't fly, right? So we want to, to hopefully be able to empower um, Deja and yourself with um, with information like how flying would affect um, Deja because it does, you know, differ from person to person. So That's in the true. same way that a glucose monitor completely transformed care for, for diabetes is, is what we want to do for sickle cell. Um, and yeah, we're here, we're, you know, here trying to advocate with Medicaid, trying to advocate with, you know, the Social Security Administration and doing all that we can to to build up a body of research to support you. So, I love it. So we do. Humanity, support, love. Alisa, thank you so much. God bless you and Deja. I'm committed to doing whatever I can to support initiatives such as this with both COVID DX, um, all of us, UWM, and of course the truth 101 seven the truth information is power knowledge is power and if it were not for selfless incredible humans such as you elisa song and mirtha we wouldn't be able to progress so thank you all again for just sharing your time your energy your knowledge and your transparency and vulnerability we love you we thank you so much keep doing what you're doing we need it and for those that are listening get connected with all of us Milwaukee, UWM, all of us, Milwaukee, at the Center for Community Engagement. Again, you can call 888-294-2661. You can visit the website, which is allofus.wis is in Sam, C is in cat, dot edu. Get involved. We want to live, and we want to live thriving. This is your host, DT, Denise Thomas, the Effective Communication Coach, Soft Life Chronicles, 1017 The Truth. You deserve to live your best life, and here's where we start learning how to do that. Thank you so much. The proceeding was a paid program. Advice and opinions expressed during the Soft Life Chronicles are solely that of the host or guests and not those of 1017 The Truth, Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC, or all of us Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships.